the lessons this morning come to us both from epistles, the first one being 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing. Things that are so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And from the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, again written by the Apostle Paul. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin, but if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder, I wonder as we heard these words today, if we can use these words today. The words are full of death and sin and it, full of death and sin. But I see and hear incredible hope. The thought that we're foolish and weak isn't really a great premise for an uplifting sermon. But Paul is telling us in an overwhelming crescendo of grace. And throughout his letter to the Romans, all of the letter to the Romans, the history of creation from the perspective of its eschatological end One man's trespass, Adam, led to the condemnation for all. God gave the law, but the powers of sin and death turned this good gift to their own ends. Paul writes, where where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
Now, one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. And we're told a story of a relentless and resourceful God who is determined to speak the last word. The last word is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then then after that, last word comes a next word. A question whose very utterance reveals the ways in which the fullness of redemption is not yet realized. If an increase in sin sparks an even greater abundance of grace, why not remain in sin? What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? It's, it's tempting to brush that question aside as a rhetorical foil. But the question flows directly out of Paul's train of thought. It's similar to the questions people pressed on Jesus. It's the same kind of of question put to Augustine, the same question put to Martin Luther and Calvin and Knox. Do we know of a grace so persistent and powerful that it makes sense to ask if people should, in their total depravity, continue in sin so that grace might abound? Paul's answer, Paul's answer is piercing and pointed. Absolutely not. By no means, he says. Then he expands his thoughts to the very theology, the very foundation of who we are and our faith structure. He reminds Christians in Rome and us today here in Lake City of our baptism. Our baptism, not a baptism of repentance, not John the Baptist's repentance, not the baptism of Apollos or Cephas or or even Paul's baptism, but, but we're talking a baptism of the Spirit, a baptism that unites us to Christ so completely that we share in his death and resurrection. Our old self is crucified with Christ on the cross and that death breaks the power of sin over our lives. You you and I, we we die with Christ. We, We are buried with Christ. And Paul writes that we will surely rise with Christ to walk in the newness of life. Paul understands baptism He understands baptism as a type of exodus. Yes, as a Pharisee, that is utmost in his mind. As Israel once labored under Pharaoh, so humanity labors under the bondage of sin. As Pharaoh's power was broken when Israel passed through the waters of the Red Sea, so sin's power over us was broken when we passed through the waters of baptism. Israel came through the water into the wilderness, a place where Pharaoh no longer held power over them, 
where God traveled with them, but still not the promised land. Even so, we've moved through the waters of baptism, you and I, into a place where sin no longer has dominion over us, into a place where sin has no longer dominion over us, for God is with us. And where the fullness of resurrection still to come. The resurrection life is still to come. Paul does not directly address how this baptism is done. He doesn't tell us how it's done. He never answers the question of infant baptism. He doesn't tell us whether or not we should be baptized by immersion or, or by sprinkling or by pouring. But his image of baptism as exodus offers an important correction and supplement to the sacramental theology that marks us, marks you and I in Christian faith. Paul, Paul makes clear that baptism is not only an event between the individual and God, but a union with Christ that connects us the baptized ones, with all the faithful in heaven and on earth, in every time, in every place, just like we sup today for communion. The saints are with us today. Baptism is not a magic spell. It's not a magic spell that protects a person from peril in this world and the next. On the contrary... On the contrary, in binding us to Christ, baptism places us on the way to the cross. Baptism is not a celebration of the waters of life, at least, at least not in a simple sense. It's, it's almost a drowning, an act that renders us dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's one of the marks of, of Christ's church, a visible sign of invisible grace. And we're given a new life and marked as God's own. And we belong to God. Being dead to sin and alive to God, then as baptized believers, we cannot remain in sin without betraying who we have become. So baptism, so baptism grounds Paul's answer and reflection that it is not the acts of sin that have become impossible for baptized Christians. Our own lives make that clear enough. Even after the Exodus, the children of Israel came, came along and worshipped and wanted the flesh pots of Israel, or of Egypt rather, and the sins of Egypt, they still longed for them. Nevertheless, something happened, and God turned the page. God turns the page, not only in individual lives, but also in the eschatological history of the world where death, judgment, and the final destiny of our souls and humankind 
will occur and the grace of God, there's no going back. There's no going back. God gives us new life. New life by sending the Son. A Son that was fully human, fully God. The very incarnate of God. The omnipotent creator of all the things in heaven and on earth. And we are reminded by that Son, Jesus, who calls on us to remember how we were washed of our sins as we peer at these elements this morning that are set before us, this meal that has been prepared for us, that Jesus died on the cross for the remission of our sins and rose again on the third day so that we might have eternal life. Now, friends, I invite you in the name of the triune God the one who feeds us, the one who nourishes us, the one who quenches our thirst so that we may never, never be thirsty, so that we may never go hungry to come to this table, his table, the table of grace. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.